the baby, the two fake babies, <laughs> the fakest, fakest, <laughs> fakest babies I've ever seen. <laughs> In the whole world are in this movie. I like, was totally going to bring that up because I was like, this movie rivals Exodus with fake here, babies. Here, here's, here's the thing about <laughs> fake babies, okay? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 344 with our review of American Sniper. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Contrarian Patrick. <laughs> and I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this weekend, we had two reviews for you. Uh, we just had a review of Selma, which is in the feeds behind this episode. And then now we are talking about American Sniper. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing good. Just some really lighthearted, nice oh, movies to talk exactly. about this weekend. <laughs> really yeah. great to bring in the three-day weekend with some, you know, just family yeah. fun. Yes. <laughs> Fam- family fun, yes. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, the, the film about a man being a shitty father. <laughs> yeah, no. This is going to be family fun. Yeah, this I mean, was I, heavy... I was very surprised by the dark themes in Paddington, but um, yeah. yeah, it went there. Yeah, this was a heavy, heavy weekend for the spoiler warning to review movies. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but we're here. We're doing it for you guys because we care about you. So <laughs> for better or worse, we got some reviews for you. Yep. Are you are you guys are you guys excited to talk about talk about American Sniper? I think I'm more excited than Selma. Yeah, but not really that excited. You can't really get excited to talk about movies like this. Yeah, because we'll, then you then you seem like a jackass. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still sometimes Carson makes statements like uh, you'd be a jackass if you got excited to talk about this film, and I don't really know the true meaning behind that statement. I could take well, that very I mean, many different ways. You know ways. what I mean? You know what I mean? Like I'm not excited to talk about Selma and like how much I didn't like it. Yeah, because it's not you know it's not a movie like uh, Predestination, which would be I'd be excited to talk about that because it's fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> so free destination is a film that i would love to do a review on but i don't think it would be uh yeah i mean we, we it, wouldn't it, have it would the not joy because okay, I, I, I do a minute and a half review right now because i want to hear what it's about oh my gosh all i know uh, is ethan hawk is on the cover okay and it's like number three on itunes for some reason you uh, might have you might have to bleep this out but the best review no, on no, no, IMD- don't don't hold up hold up hold up right, i don't because there's a chance that that Stephen might actually watch this movie, so I don't want you to give anything away, which I have a feeling you're anything. going to. So I can bleep out the listeners, but I can't bleep out Stephen. All right, so. Stephen, do you care or no? I well, okay. I, I will just say that the film involves temporal agents who, uh, who their whole job is to help. I'm people. already confused. Yeah, it's it's, it's that, that's all you need to know. There, there are tem- temporal <laughs> time agents who have the ability to travel through time. Yes. Um, and the film is there is... a dagger involved? <laughs> There's you, no dagger. You, um, Steven, do you like Looper? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, then you'll enjoy the lesser version of Looper, maybe. <laughs> I okay. So so I I actually really enjoyed uh, Predestination, not for the way that Carson really enjoyed it. I think that they are doing. The entire film is borrowing from every time-related film ever invented. <laughs> ever <it> made. <laughs> However, there is one interesting concept, which is the through line for the entire concept, which I can't say because uh, it would be a spoiler, and this whole film hinges on this one through line. Um, but I think that it is a great thought experiment. And no matter how uh, unwell the film executes on any aspect of the film itself, it is a conversation. It is a film that you could spend hours having conversations about after the fact. Um, but for people like um, <clears throat> Negative Nancy on this episode, uh, I thought it was a great comedy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just going back to what I said, I mean, not these episodes don't evoke the joy that we would probably have had talking about something like Taken Three because we would just enjoy tearing that one a new one. Because it was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't. So you know, bad. there's there's different movies that you enjoy talking about more than others. Yeah, 
Speaking of ripping things a new one. Oh. <laughs> sniper rifles, am I right, guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Setting a high bar. Uh, so should we uh, listen to the trailer for American Sniper? <laughs> we might as well before anything else gets said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, as I just said, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for American Sniper and then come back and give you guys our review. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? Do you ever think that you might have seen things or done some things over there that you wish you hadn't? Oh, that's not me, no. What's not you? I don't tell you enough. I'm so proud of you. You're such a great father. So you're not worried about what might happen? I'm willing to meet my creator and answer for every shot that I took. I'll pick it up. Stateside. You're home? What, what are you doing? I guess I just needed a minute. The thing that haunts me are all the guys that I couldn't save. Oh my god! I'm ready to come home. All right, everybody, we are back. You just listened to the trailer for American Sniper. It is a film about uh, the deadliest sniper in American history, and uh, Carson. Why don't you start shooting yourself and let us know what you thought of this film? Well, um, I think once again, like Selma, there is a uh, fantastic central performance by Mr. Bradley Cooper. Uh, I, I think he gets to uh, he's very committed to the to the role. I think he he really commits to it. Uh, in that and he I, puts on a big belly and grows a beard. <laughs> I, I just wish that Clint Eastwood would have committed to making a good movie. Um, <laughs> that's just all that I hope. At least he knows how to, like, frame a scene, though. Yeah, I, but, I just uh, wish Life would have committed to telling an actual story. Zing! Oh, jeez. Oh, shit. I, I thought it was um, weird when he was, like, aiming at that empty chair and said he was going to assassinate <laughs> the president. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I uh, it's a... Uh, it's another one of these, you know, very cliched, uh, middle of the road type of biopic movies. Um, I think if you've seen, I think if you've seen The Hurt Locker, you've seen American Sniper because in terms of modern war movies, I think The Hurt Locker completely encapsulates everything that this movie tries to do and fails. Um, everything that was in The Hurt Locker, I think, was dealt with much, much better much more intelligently um, and much more intensely too. I, I feel like that uh, there's definitely interesting subject matter in this movie. Uh, the fact that this guy like has the most kills uh, in sniping history, I guess. I mean, it, it's pretty crazy. And the fact that like, you know, how would one person deal with that? Um, and again, like any movie, I guess, that's based on true events, there's controversy surrounding this because, you know, people, there's a lot of detractors against Chris Kyle and who he was, and people called him a racist and, uh, you know, that he enjoyed doing what he did. And, uh, and there was it, one really big detractor, am I right? 
<laughs> what? I didn't. Don't even. I didn't get it. Um, <laughs> that joke didn't land for me. Uh, uh, I landed for that guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it, it's weird because I know Bradley Cooper. This is sort of like a passion project for him, and uh, he was committed, and 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 I guess basically convinced the f- the family of Chris Kyle to do this movie um, was that he was going to tell it honestly. And I feel like that there's portions of the movie that, that are try to go that route where it feels honest, you know, at least as much as it can in the movie sense. Um, but then there's a whole bunch of just Hollywood sort of almost action movie cliches uh, that once again, completely undermine it. I think there's... There's an entire subplot with this one uh, sniper guy that, that that Cooper's trying to track down, and they're always, like, crossing paths. I mean, that's such a... Even when I was watching the movie, I was like, this seems like so... Like, it was just thrown in there for conflict. No, I, uh, I, I totally... The entire movie, I was like, there's no way this other enemy sniper yeah. existed. Like, this yeah, is totally then, supposed to be, like, an enemy at the gate standoff, like, right. against a rival sniper thing exactly. that is completely feels... Like, there might have been a real, like, whatever country he was actually from, Sniper, who was on the ground there, but... It he just, wasn't it, following it, him around and shit. Yeah, it ranks yeah. super false, especially considering like, uh, you know, Bradley Cooper goes through four tours and like this yeah. sniper is always <laughs> present no matter where he's deployed to. Like, I yeah, don't, I don't buy that. Yeah, at all. that was, yeah, that was felt completely disingenuous. And then, what do you know? It was made up for the movie. So, oh, yeah. um, and there's a. I won't get into spoilers, but let's just say there's a hilariously bad CGI slow motion bullet standoff <laughs> at the end that's oh yeah really makes you feel like wow uh, they missed the mark on that one um, and and that's the other thing too is that like so they're trying to capture the brutality of all this and yeah it would be really f-ed up that he's you know doing this uh, and the fact that they use again I'm gonna get technical because i'm an idiot but uh they they do like 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 people will get shot and it's clearly like after effects blood like it looks so fake and i feel like that completely undermines the the brutality of it because i feel like um we're not really getting the full impact of it to me um (laughs) except for the guys that are being shot (laughs) except yeah uh, that was a bad bad choice of words but i mean you know what i mean like I, i just think that to me that takes me out that's not like getting me into the movie it's like yeah the situation in context is messed up but it's like that just i don't know like that just again it makes it 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 makes you uh, it reminds you of the feeling that this is a movie um and i think that uh you know they they try to dive into the sort of you know conflicts or maybe the the internal conflicts that the cooper is having as he's going through all these tours, but I don't, they don't even really go into that. I I feel like it's, you know, it's, again, it's all surface level. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, it's not a good movie. And I I think that, you know, you're, you're dealing with, you know, same, same kind of thing as Act of Valor, where it's like, well, you know, our, it's like, I'm not anti-military. I'm just anti not good movies. Just the same as Selma. (laughs) Like, I'm not a racist. I just don't, you know the stuff that's happening now is terrible but it's just like i just don't like bad movies so anyway steven that's, that's your review for the poster that, i'm that's not a racist my, i just didn't like this movie i didn't um i i don't know it seems short and simple but uh there you go all right well steven what did you think of american sniper yeah this is very surprising because first of all i will not be blanket positive about this movie not by a long shot pun intended but <laughs> i that long shot outside of a mile yeah 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 it was <laughs> slow-mo con- considering my role in the podcast is typically the like bleeding heart liberal never understands war movies i might be slightly the most positive about this one um <laughs> I'm just based on that sentence i'm gonna say you are <laughs> yeah so so okay so the the good i'll get to first like carson said bradley cooper does a you know very good job with this performance i don't i I don't think the role gives him the sort of meat to work with that has elevated some of these other like oscar nominated performances this year 
but for what he did and kind of grounding the person in humanity and showing like the the struggles that he goes through and the ways that he could be courageous but always in a kind of like eerily calm way like the the way that he bottles his feelings down i think he did a you know a, a very good job with that and he deserves to at least be talked about though not definitely not win an award for it um right yeah i i did appreciate that it tried to bring a little more to the table than a lot of war movies like if i were to compare this to something like lone survivor where my my ethical flag flew very high with that movie where like i I could not fully get on board with it because it refused to humanize the enemy at any turn and refused to really look at the the difficulty of living this kind of lifestyle. Uh, I had to applaud this movie for at least trying to do a little more. Like it does, mainly through other characters, bring up the ethical dilemmas. And there's one scene that I thought was very good towards the middle end of the movie that the trailer makes it look like these two scenes are the same, but they're actually two different scenes of him uh, trying to decide whether to shoot a target. And yeah. I thought the the latter one did a very good job of building tension and showing the like the ethical dilemma of what do I do, and you know this is not going to be a joyful thing regardless. And there were definitely some harrowing war scenes, like it. it I thought, you know, there's kind of the final battle scene that I thought was very, very well done in the sense that it really gave you the feeling of being there, even if being there is a little too neat and Hollywood. With that said, it is, of course, strictly less than the Hurt Locker, like in every dimension. I mean, that that goes without saying. I think the performance is not as strong. I think the the plotting is not as good. It's not as interesting. It doesn't tell as difficult a story. And something, the thing is, there, there's good shoved up against some really, really bad in this movie. Like, like you guys mentioned the enemy sniper, and I totally agree that that sounded exactly like my our criticism of Lone Survivor, where like yeah. Carson said it, it was like they cast the guy just out of like a random, you know, let's find the most Jafar looking character we can. <laughs> he and, did. He was totally think, rocking the eyeliner. Yeah, and no, it was like eyeliner villain. and just yeah. you know, ooh, look was, at me, I'm a. It was ugh. terrible. I don't know why I don't know why they do this and the worst so some of the home scenes were pretty good I thought like I I thought Clint Eastwood had a way of signaling that Bradley Cooper was getting flashbacks and the way that war would change his perception and reality and I thought occasionally that was very good the baby the two fake babies (laughs) the fakest fakest (laughs) fakest babies I've ever seen (laughs) in the whole world are in this movie. I like, was totally going to bring that up because I was like, this movie rivals Exodus with fake here, babies. Here's, here's the thing about <laughs> fake babies, okay? Like, I understand that sometimes you got to use a fake baby. I'm totally, I have no problem with yeah, that. Well, you, the yeah. thing is, you don't, you don't shake a fake baby like you're, <laughs> like you're getting, trying to get it to burn because there, <sighs> there's no convincing way to shake a fake no, baby. No, because they're lifeless. <laughs> because its arm is rigid. Like, oh, I couldn't, I have Some, no idea why they did that. Like, for one oh thing, gosh. I know sometimes you need a fake baby. Could they really just not get a baby for these dialogue scenes? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It would like frame the shot for two minutes, where all I could see was this, like, the fakest baby I've ever seen <laughs> being like lovingly held by Bradley Cooper. Then yes. the moment it would dip out of frame, like a fake baby cry would come out, and then he would lift it up again. And <laughs> yes, it was, he was on like. I feel like did no one tell Clint Eastwood like, hey, you know we, we can afford a baby. I really just don't think he gives <laughs> we a shit. Afford a baby. It's like uh, Clint, you know we could like CGI this, or we could get you an animatronic one. Now. Like we could that. make the arm move a little bit <laughs> while you're cradling it. I think. I bet. Clint, and you want to actually get a real baby? Nah, that's it. We'll just. This is good. I don't like the smell of babies. <laughs> I don't like babies are horrible to work with. They don't. They don't let you go over time. <laughs> and they did it not once, but twice. There are two fake baby scenes where it's like oh, so much loving baby. fatherhood and it's just like falls so flat. And I and I think that can symbolize much of the home life scenes in this movie where it just does not ring true at all. It it all does feel like telling a story with fake babies instead of with actual 
actual characters. Like, and that's why I, I read someone saying uh, a review, and I I'm blanking on who said it, but it was they they said like Clint Eastwood wasn't even committed enough to to making the baby look real. Yeah, you no, know, and they, exactly like it. It's trying to show his difficulty in being a father and a husband and the toll that it takes. And the only way it really shows this, I think, is when he's in battle and he's on the phone with his wife. There are some granted Hollywood moments, but there are some things that at least really show why this would be difficult. But- also, why does why? I mean, just because just because he's the legend, he gets his own sat phone. I'm pretty sure no other soldier gets a free sat phone that they can yeah. call their wife anytime they want. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so. right seems, in the middle of a convoy too. That seems really smart. Hugely like unethical <laughs> among that's, other that, things. I mean, that's totally like some of the Hollywood cliches where you know. They they want to have Sienna Miller react on the other end, like, oh my god, like what? You know, is he gonna die? You know, yeah, stuff so, like that is really cheesy. So stuff stuff like that, the the home scenes in particular, except for very few, like there's one barbecue scene that I thought was pretty well done, uh, but for the most part, like most of the home stuff did not work for me, and that includes the the lead up to this movie, like the intro all the way until he's actually enlisting. That kind of fell very flat. I didn't feel like it built much of a character or made me care about him or really showed me anything interesting other than he's a good old boy who wants to do good old things. Like, not not a very nuanced nuanced characterization there. And then the ending also, it, it has... So Chris Kyle's life is on Wikipedia. I guess I still won't spoil it, but it ends very, very recently, like just a year and a half ago, two years ago. And it tries to shoehorn this in in a way that felt completely not genuine to me. Like it should either have yeah. restricted it to a title card or it should have played it through and actually had a uh, something to say about it rather yeah. than just having this sort of yeah. epilogue where you're shoehorning in a, a tragedy at the last minute. So yeah. from from a movie-making standpoint, I have to say Clint Eastwood was very... He was all over the place. But the one thing that does elevate it to me is I thought the the war scenes in general were quite well done. Like most of the time when he's actually on the ground in uh, Fallujah, I thought that did capture, if not quite with the intensity of the Hurt Locker, at least with the same sort of realism, uh, the feeling of being there. It's the movie in its orbit that really just fell flat for me. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I generally, so I don't, I don't generally like to get into the uh, the the this movie is a better version of X than this movie is. I don't, I don't generally like. To, I mean, I'll definitely compare scenes in one movie and what they're going for, and scenes in another movie for what they're going for, um, because I think that's that's easier for me to do. Like I always feel weird just going like this movie is a better version of this, but Hurt Locker really is a better version of American Sniper. And for me in the Hurt Locker, it's all about a guy who doesn't, it's about like an adrenaline junkie who doesn't feel right in the real world. He needs to be in the middle of a war zone to, to really be not really at peace, obviously, because you're in the middle of a war zone, but like he there he doesn't he can't live outside of being in war because war is all he knows all he feels right in and 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 i got that in the hurt locker that movie pressed the hell out of me um and it really it was as a I, I got that character an american sniper on paper the story is the same it's a guy who's really proficient at his job and uh he just wants to be in a war zone but there's zero character development in this film like i don't i don't want to step on the legacy of chris kyle or anything like that i don't i don't want to say anything directly about the character i'm gonna i'm gonna assume all this belongs to clint eastwood um i'm fine saying whatever about (laughs) um but i feel like there is zero substance to the character he is a guy who from a young age was like basically like hoorah cowboy and then when he got older 9-11 happens and he decides i'm gonna be in the military now and he's just a a one note like super like he's the cliche indoctrinated soldier of like i just gotta be in there and like save america yeah and and he like i i was like the it's really easy to get me to care about the idea of a family being uh pulled apart temporarily or permanently through war like a, a family who's together the husband is a soldier or the wife is a soldier and then they have to go they get deployed and like there there's an aspect that that can instantly latch on to but there's never a point where i believe that that the character of like bradley cooper's character 
is like anything other than a psychopath. Like there, there's, I don't feel he has any emotional connection to anybody in his life except for maybe his little brother. And that feels like something he grew up with, not something that he, it, it feels something like that was like bred into him, not that he developed as like a real emotional center. He just feels this need to protect his little brother. And even that doesn't actually get used for anything in the film. It's just more like a backstory to his character so that we have one single connection to a person in his life where he actually cares about. And I, I, the entire film, I was just kind of like, uh, like I, I, it's it's bad to say, but I just felt like f this guy. Like who 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 that? Why do I care? Like he goes out and he shoots a bunch of bad guys, which is his, his job, which is fine. Like I have no problem with him just sniping people. He's he is an Overwatch for men on the ground, which is fine. He stays back and takes out baddies who might be uh, sneaking up on the squad that he's been assigned to protect. That's totally fine and good. The rest of it, like. The home life that he's trying, like, it's clear to me that his character doesn't give a shit about his family, that the character has no connection to anything other than going out and killing terrorists, that, like, that's the one thing that he has ascribed his entire life to. And I never feel any sort of emotional connection with him. He is literally a blank slate that is, just, he, like, he's, he's RoboCop, basically. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is deployed into a war zone, and he shoots a lot of people. People congratulate him. There's, ne- like, even when people are like, oh, my God, you're the legend. I can't believe you're so great. How many kills do you have now? He's sort of like, yeah, that's that's cool. Like, they try to have this, like, Schindler's List moment where it, instead of being like, oh, if only I could have saved more. He's like, man, if only I could have shot more. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, I don't know. Like, there this, oh, I really hated this movie. Like, there there's, I didn't connect to it at all. I, yeah, sure, there, there's some from, like, even, you know, Carson, you brought up Act of Valor, and in Act of Valor, that movie wasn't good, but the one thing I appreciated was a look at military strategy and the way the SEAL team worked together, and, like, you know, like, I am going to swim underneath this dock, put my hands out of the water, you snipe this guy, he'll fall into my hands, I'll gently pull him underneath the water so that way he doesn't make a splash to alert the other people. There's no, there's no, like... There's nothing like that really in this movie. It's mostly just Bradley Cooper laying on a bench, sniping a bunch of guys. And they're they're yeah. Stephen, you mentioned two scenes in which there are they're 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 trying to show a conflict in the character. And yeah, there are those single two scenes. And the only reason mm-hmm. those two scenes exist is because of the target he's aiming his gun at in that moment. And it's like outside of those two moments, there was zero sense that he has any sort of conscience or emotion or humanity even in him at all and so it, it, so that i don't know about but i and i think a lot of what you're reading is robocop i read as an intentional portrait of a person who is clearly like traumatized like a, a person who is bottling it down when clearly any normal human being would be weeping or quivering and and his reaction to things like people calling him a legend as being this kind of muted muted thing I, I, di- I didn't see that as the behavior of, like, a psychopathic character. I saw that as uh, a- an attempt to show how he's just kind of, like, keep my head down, keep keep going, and then in the end, it will eventually burst. And and the thing to the film's biggest detriment, I think, is the the moments where it does burst when when all of this should be kind of paying off and the ethical dilemmas and the hardship and everything should come pouring out doesn't really exist like it's it's seen as like a very short coda at the end of the film and i i think that definitely hurts the message but i i I still saw his his non-reaction as an intentional uh portrait of the character not just as meaning he didn't care I, i i saw it as attempting to do more than that but I, I mean, I, I think it was intentional, but it's like, to me, it just feels like a non, it's a, it's a non-character for me. It's like he, like, and there, there's also no, so, you know, 9-11 happens and he's instantly like, nope, I got to go save America. And there's no, there, there, he, his character never shows any sort of like under, so we, we, we talked already about this made up enemy sniper, which becomes like, they're, they're the, the enemy forces have their own legend and there is no sort of like tacit understanding that that person isn't any more or less evil than the u.s side's legend is like that person is doing the exact same thing they were Mm -hmm. going around sniping tons of people and it's like it be it the, the film turns into this idea of like well 
he has to save America, but as long as he kills this one sniper, then America would be saved, theoretically, and he can stop caring about war. Like, that, it, they, it, I don't know, there's, it really just becomes, and there's never a scene where, like, when, so when the wife is like, no, like, let, let's, let's get you out of the military, you, you should be home, you should be with your family, you don't need to do this. All he ever says is like, nope, I gotta go save America. He never, like, he never talks and and spits out emotion about like like I can't live with myself unless I complete this one task. Like it, it's not one of those things where this one drive, uh, writing a, a a single wrong which which he has the power to write is ever his sort of desire or his his motivating factor. It's always just like, well, no, the war's not done. There are still terrorists alive in the world. I can only stop once all the terrorists are dead. Even though we know that that's not the real motivation. The motivation is this made up enemy that is part of the enemy force. So it's, it's, I don't know. And then even what that comes down to is in any normal story, uh, where your hero is put in a situation where he can either care about completing the mission or care about, uh, saving all the men he's with, that conflict should mean something as opposed to the way it is in this film where like, he's like, well, no, I'm here to do this one task and I don't care if doing this task, you know, gives away our position <laughs> like i'm just gonna do it because that's what i do and it's like what why would you make that decision like there there is zero thought put into that as opposed to the scenes where he's staring down the barrel of a gun at a target he doesn't want to have to kill like there's i don't know i just ugh, this movie frustrated me so much and i and i think that you know and again i'm not an expert i just from what i've read on on the on chris kyle is that he did seem like a very fascinating character to portray on screen um i mean like i said he was a very flawed individual but this movie doesn't really um go that route i don't think i think that they try to have it they try to humanize him and it's not i don't think it works like i, I just don't think that yeah there's a lot of stuff that undermines exactly what i think he was as a person and i think i don't know like did they would that have helped or hurt the movie? Maybe, or maybe it would have helped it, but I don't know. I, yeah, I do think I do think that the the person on screen is not the person, you know, not counterpoint to the real life person. Like I don't think that they're the same. And, and I think that that might be a fundamental problem, kind of like Wild, where when you have the real people, or at least people very close to the central character, yeah. involved and giving their blessing on the movie, which. Of course, you kind of have to do, but that also immediately puts you in a bind, especially when you're Clint Eastwood and you probably had no dilemma to begin with of like just turning it into a strictly patriotic, strictly uh, strictly praising thing. And and that's why, like even when, when Bradley Cooper's character, he has struggles and they show that, but they show like PTSD is a thing that just happened to him. And yeah. his own questioning and his own issues are, they're kind of delegated to personal demons that will go away by the end, rather than being, like, I thought the film was setting up a little bit more when he's first meeting his wife in the bar scene. She says, do you ever think of who's at the other end of that gun? And I saw that as being a potential conflict of what, how does a person cope with something like that? And I think they're, they're decision instead to make the the chris kyle who is entering the war be kind of a perfect loving you know friendly gruff noble man and the one who is coming home from war being still not really bad just having some like a little hardened and obsessed i i, I think that was definitely kind of a weakness on their part of not wanting to tarnish a legacy or not wanting to not wanting to make him feel a little more multifaceted someone who maybe the things that drove him to do this and the ways he behaved and the ways he reacted were not just hurtful because of some thing that traumatized him, but actually reflective of something in his character. So do you, do you think yeah. the version of him that went off to war was actually that noble of a character? No, I don't know. And I mean, I think what what's weird, and maybe this is my like San Francisco liberalness, reading into it there's a scene early on where his dad is describing the three types of people the kind of like south park's uh three <laughs> types of people in <laughs> team america um you know there's the sheep there's the wolves 
and there's the sheepdogs. Yeah. And in my mind, like his description and the way he talks about those people is like a fairly ignorant, simplistic view of the world. Yeah. You know, of like they're the people who just take it and they're the ones that are gonna stand up and fight. And I I kind a part of me was hoping slash secretly believing that this was knowing like it was knowing that this seemed ignorant and that this was kind of informing his character with this just belief that no matter what I'm going to be the aggressor in kind I'm going to stand up and fight and I'm not going to think twice about it but then of course like Eastwood's politics and the way the movie plays out kind of undermines that but I I was hoping or at least thinking that there was a little bit at the at the beginning I didn't know yet that I didn't like the characterization at the beginning <laughs> it was only when the movie never never did anything more with it that I I saw it as kind of shallow well, I, I think that that too that 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 um that is what basically tainted my entire viewing of this film is because that opening scene, like you said, you like you said you took that to be like, oh, the film knows that this is sort of like an ignorant kind of view of the world and and that 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 personality is is not being celebrated but kind of being shown as maybe the thing that you don't want to buy into. But for me, that was him at a very early age being indoctrinated by a person who has very specific views and that his entire life grew up like that informed who he became as a person because his dad taught him to be that way and that's all he knew. And I think that from that opening there's nothing like he is I'm like oh he's that guy that I don't like <laughs> like and, yeah. and he never breaks free from that at all like the only like there is a natural tendency for you know like I, I'm fine with him wanting to protect his little brother but like there's this, they, they even they have a weird relationship where the brother kind of has always grown up being protected by him and really can't do anything on his own like you you um he kind of needs his brother and his brother like that 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 that's the one authentic relationship in the film i think is him wanting to protect his brother and even that like when he goes and deploys he he like see a brother i know that you haven't been able to live a day of your life without me there helping you but uh i'm going to go off to war and I, and i feel that that his reasons for going to war is not because of some sense of nobility it's because he's been pre-programmed to be a sheepdog and he is in a situation where now there are wolves and he is just like it is it is an instinctual nature to run after the wolf because there might be sheep around that that wolf will come after so i i don't know i i just it's to me if you remove the enemy sniper there is no story in this film at all it's guy points gun things go away and it's it, you know it's like it's basically like Sarah's text messages to Dave about about Selma. It's like you know uh, Bradley Cooper goes to war. Bradley Cooper shoots a man. Bradley Cooper comes back from war. Bradley Cooper goes to war. Bradley Cooper shoots a man. Like Bradley Cooper comes back from war. Like there's there, there's not there's not anything going on there. And and you know you, you talked about the trailer and and so in the trailer there's a scene where he's pointing his gun at a child who may or may not be endangering the lives of other soldiers. And in the trailer it's intercut with pictures of him looking very sad holding a child that he gave birth to and this film really had the opportunity to uh juxtapose the idea of of him being this guy who kind of doesn't have a lot in the world and just knowing that he wants to be this sheepdog and then once he gives birth his whole outlook on life well, he, he doesn't give birth obviously but once his <laughs> wife you know gives birth to a child and he realizes that he has made life and life has some sort of uh, sacredness to it. There's a chance for him to realize that maybe this craziness of being a sniper is directly opposed to this craziness of, of bringing life into the world. And like there was a perfect opportunity for some sort of meaningful significance to come out of the event of giving birth. But this film, like he just sort of like he gets to, look sad and hold a child like in two scenes and he gets to point a gun at a child in two scenes but none of those scenes really have any weight to them outside of um the 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 sheer fact that he's holding a gun and there's somebody who's seemingly innocent on the other end of that gun like you know yeah, there's I, yeah i, I, I mean, would definitely it, say the the movie that the trailer promises is much more nuanced and interesting than the movie yeah. that actually happened Especially yeah. that first teaser where it was basically the opening scene of this movie. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, it goes back to my complaints about Selma, too, where it's just it doesn't feel like a movie that has weight to it. It all 
feels insubstantial and surface level and uh and i especially the ending i know steven brought brought it up and it's a if you read into like what actually went down i mean it's pretty messed up and i think that there's there was a lot of stuff that they could have done um to dive into that movie but it's weird how they just rushed it at the end um and i think that it really made it feel dis- disingenuine because there's a lot more to that than just what they sort of threw in at the end. Um, yeah, and I think if if it weren't for the fact that the home scenes tended to be weak, so I'm yeah. a little afraid of what this movie would have been, I would have much rather preferred a kind of tail-heavy movie where they they cut this fake rival sniper, you know, they didn't focus on him for so much of it, and they devoted a good, like, last third of the movie to be him coming home and yeah. and what happened after. Because, because that is what makes him interesting, and that... In my mind, that is what actually made him someone that when the credits are rolling and they're showing the real footage, like I, I still got a little emotional about it because it, it does seem like his, his behavior post-war was very, very interesting and also something we don't see on screen a lot about the like psychological right. effects on the people who are left behind. And I, I think the the idea of that i'm glad that they hinted at it but it just made me want a movie that would actually tackle that and pay off the ending rather than a movie that would shoehorn that in like oh by the way for all you detractors you should know this about him okay credits yeah so here here's here's a question and this is where like i i get dangerously close to <laughs> losing listeners but and we'll we'll talk about it just in the context of of the film itself but what why why is he a hero? Is it simply the number of enemy soldiers that he sniped? Is it the idea that if he wouldn't have sniped those people, then there would have been a lot lot more American lives lost? Um, besides a few scenes where he drags somebody to safety, what is what is the event that makes him? I, I understand from a military standpoint the idea of of him becoming legend, um, so to speak, uh, which is funny because that is the the tagline for the PS4 or the multi-platform bungee game destiny it's become legend but mm-hmm. so he becomes legend because he has such a high uh sniper kill rate but why does he become the american hero um what what is like what is that so i i can only guess because i haven't really read up on him i would imagine it was this kind of humility and good old boy i'm nothing special attitude Combined with the fact that he was such a lethal killer and in, at least in the way the movie frames it, he was also very much a leader who more than once is kind of taking charge and bringing people to safety and not letting them fall behind. Um, I I think kind of that whole picture painted him as a hero, but I am unsure if the heroism from a non-military standpoint ended there or if it was really after he started making the rounds and helping other people, if that's what if that's what made him be more of a hero. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure from his legacy what, what I mean, was the big thing. The movie doesn't really convey that at all or very well. So, yeah. And and I like I said, I've read up on his story, but I haven't read enough to that make, you know, to give like a solid answer yeah, cause, as cause, to why he would be. Because if I'm a soldier on the ground and like I hear like a, a, a shot and then all of a sudden a enemy combatant just falls from the roof and I didn't know he was there and I could have just died. I totally get that. Like, oh my God, like this is my, my guardian angel back there on the roof with a sniper rifle. Like I'm totally fine with soldiers. Like I, I see why the soldiers praise him for being like, like he, their savior. But I, I just, from a, a normal civilian back in the country where the only thing I have is like, I guess stats that are being released. I, I don't know. Like I don't like when, when they say, there's a couple times where they 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 say in um they're like a character will be like oh I heard you have this many confirmed kills like I have no bearing for is is that plus one to every other sniper is that plus fifty to every other like is, yeah I, I have no idea so it's hard for me to go like oh my god that's crazy he's got this many kills I just, I mean it sounds like a lot it's more than I can yeah. get in a first person shooter because I'm terrible at sniping but like I I, I just. Well, I mean, the movie just makes you, or it just hopes that you think that, okay, well, he has this many kills, that's a lot, and you should just automatically assume that he has way more than everyone else. 
Yeah, like and that's it, what's it, and that's what sucks is that it doesn't really dive into like you know how many does how many kills does like a like an average you know sniper have in yeah. the military. But like but I don't al- know. Al- also, like if like if if you, if you were to compare this to Zero Dark Thirty, right? Yeah. Zero Dark Thirty, we know the significance of the target they're going after. Like yeah. it, it has meaning to us back home. So when that mission is carried out successfully, spoilers for Zero Dark Thirty. Um, <laughs> spoilers for history. Yeah, there there is that inherently means something. Like there there was a great episode of, of the newsroom which involved that same scenario. Captain, my name is Don Kiefer. That's Elliot Hirsch, and that's Sloan Sabbath. We work for Atlantis Cable News, and we wanted you and your first officer and flight attendant crazy lady to be the first ones on this plane to know that our armed forces killed Osama bin Laden for you tonight. Like, it, it's, it's, uh, there, there is like, yeah, yes, we, we did it, this, this, it, it, there's meaning to it. And in this, um, in American Sniper, there is no b- besides the enemy sniper character. Um, what do they call him? What was his? I don't remember his name. Fatiber. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I shouldn't guess. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, this. What is calling Jafar? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, outside of the fact that there's this there's this weird sniper who's like he's like the the renegade. He's like he's like the one guy they can't kill on the enemy Mustafa. side. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It, it's. It's uh, I don't know. There, there's just to, to me, there's less of a. I don't. I don't know because I'm assuming that that it's not like if he is at eighty. I'm assuming that the actual death toll for all enemies across all military forces stationed in that country is probably higher than eighty. You know, like mm-hmm. so. I I don't get the significance of of he single handedly is winning this war. Like I I don't get that sense from the movie. So. And, and also, like, you know, from from what I read, there's a lot of detractors um, for Chris Kyle because they just think he was a he was this dude who just wanted to kill, you know, Muslims or something. He wanted to just kill the bad guys. Yeah. And that's he just did it for the fun. And, and um, I think the film, I mean, until you said he just did it for the fun, I was like, no, the, the film totally supports that point of view. Um, I don't know about the fun aspect because clearly it wasn't like enjoyable to him. But it yeah, was- but I, I yeah, but I mean, so, you know. Yeah, he he felt very very robotic in the movie. Like it was besides yeah. besides the one scene where he's like he's like screw being Overwatch. I'm gonna go down there and start kicking indoors. Like that was the one moment where it felt like he was he was like I'm not doing enough up here. I need to go down and do something. But even that was sort of irresponsible because now that team, sure he's gonna be able to help from from being on the ground. But now they have no Overwatch, which they've spent the first 45 minutes of the film explaining that Overwatch seems to be pretty important for your squadron. So. Yeah, um, and I know well, that I've I've said like a bunch of different words that probably don't accurately represent that military grouping, but whatever. Yeah, but I mean, I just it just goes to show you that in some cases, especially in the case of the Hurt Locker, it would almost be better to tell a story that's you know that's based in truth, but not exactly on a certain person. Um, which I think you know, overall, that movie just has a blunt intensity that's much greater than this film and Jeremy Renner's character is just like he you get so many facets of it and the fact that this guy was just so good at his job he would just go back to it you know I, like, there's the all thing. there's it, all these things about it that American Sniper I feel fails to do and I know we've right, covered no. it but I I just feel like that in a in a sense it's almost better to just do it you know to come up with a story um, that's surrounded in truth, but not specifically on one person, because you're not kind of mired in. Well, do we need to portray this guy as you know? How do we portray this guy, basically? Though I, I would say Lone Survivor has the the same problem, which is why I had like yeah. serious. I've called it like Lone Survivor's guilt a few times, like serious reservations about a movie like that, because in the end, the thing that that makes him a hero and it. It's very hard, I know, to separate the real human being from the character. As far as the movie gives you, the the thing that makes him a hero is the fact that he survived at the expense of many enemy people. Yeah. Um, and this, while Chris Kyle is not portrayed as being 
always in danger, though often it does show him willingly stepping out in danger to be with his men. Yeah. Um, this does have the same thing where either either you are on board for the idea that in a war, the people who are doing, you know, the people who are proficient are heroes. Like, like if you're on board for that, then this movie works. And if you aren't, then you would need a more nuanced film. And I think the film I wish could have been made that would not have been made with uh, the, the blessing of Kyle's family is one that would have actually embraced the like controversy that Carson brought up of of the the dual viewpoints of his life like a movie that could have actually steered into that and talked about like yeah. this is a complex character who did not rub everyone the right way and let's unpack this and even if they still ended showing him as a you know heroic person at least like acknowledging the difference would have been it would have been much stronger but on the hero aspect, I really can't criticize this any heavier than I did for Lone Survivor. What I, I just want to say two quick things, and then I'll stop complaining because this has like been my most complainingness I think I've been in the podcast for a while. But I, so with the Lone the Lone Survivor narrative, what what separates that film for me is that this was a scouting mission. They weren't supposed to be engaging the enemy forces. They got stuck in a terrible situation and had to shoot their way out. That's not justifying the hero-ness of it at all. I'm just simply saying that, like, I understand that a very small force of people accidentally got stuck in a really bad situation, and, like, the fact that they, at least one of them survived is, like, there there is a, that, that story becomes interesting in that, like, they didn't go in there shooting and then some of them survived. Like, they went in there, they happened to have guns in case shit hit the fan, and shit did hit the fan, and then they had to shoot their way out. So, regard that, that movie was still very hoorah, go America, but there was still a, like, oh, damn, this was not supposed to go this way. So yeah, that's, I, that's, I, I was just going to throw that out there, too, because, like, I... I, I I had problems with Lone Survivor. It's definitely a flawed movie, but I enjoyed it much more than this, but just for the fact that I think Peter Berg, you know, imbued that movie with at least a little better dramatic sense than this movie. It definitely had more immediacy than this movie. Yeah, and, and part of that is the the story it told was one particular ridiculous event, whereas this is spread out over years, and you kind of get the sense that even when a big impactful event happens, it was made up by Clint Eastwood. Like you don't yeah. necessarily get the sense that this was a historical thing, a single event that made him a hero. Yeah, yeah. I, I can buy that. And then, and then the, the last thing I wanted to say, the second part to that two things is, um, so with the Hurt Locker, what I get a sense from that movie is that Jeremy Renner's character is not concerned with the war as a whole. He's not concerned with even saving people. What he's concerned with is that every time he goes to dismantle a bomb, he's putting his life on the line. Like he, he could die trying to disarm this one bomb. And that feeling is what he's chasing after this whole movie. If there wasn't even a war zone, but it was just like in downtown name yeah. some major metropolis uh he was trying to disarm a bomb he would still get a sense of that but for some reason there's a heightened thing when it's a war zone that at any moment people would be shooting at you and you're tr like there, there was a sense to this uh th there was something personally for him that he didn't feel right unless he was out in the middle of a town when he could get shot at trying to disarm a bomb that was probably made pretty shoddily and could go off at any second. Yeah, I mean, he's an adrenaline junkie, basically. Yeah, and yeah. that was powerful to me. In this film, it feels like Chris Kyle is trying to win the war. Like, mm -hmm. he doesn't feel like right. he is helping these particular soldiers in that, like, two square miles of a city. He is going out there trying to kill the capital T terrorists, not... A particular group of terrorists and yeah. that's the thing that doesn't resonate with me at all because it feels very it's too broad it, it's too mm -hmm. broad and even for that character it seems uh seems silly for one person to think they're like your your military force as an aggregate is accomplishing a goal hopefully in in the best case scenario uh for one guy to feel like he himself is doing that much in a system of cogs that's so massive that like the, like he i don't know i never felt like you know he killed the one target that won the war for everybody like it, it's the the film is treating it as if that is that is a story but it doesn't feel that way and that's kind of those that that's the real main comparison between hurt locker and why i love the hurt locker and why this movie doesn't feel like it does anything to me yeah and also just slight tangent but real quick 
did anyone else roll their eyes at how like hilariously cliched the scene where he gets married and then like almost in the middle of their wedding vows the guy's like we got the call we're shipping out <laughs> it's like whoa i don't think it went down that way just throwing it out there because it, it was really like he was like all right you may now kiss the bride we got the call it was like oh yeah, shit that was, that was, that was very that was yeah. very movie moment yeah. no, to the film's credit and i know i'm only really giving it credit because i you guys are doing more than your fair share of you know taking it down a couple pegs uh, nor, in a normal review i would not be the one giving it credit like yeah in, in a global sense i'm not uh but to give it credit in that scene his brothers you know the military men they do seem kind of like the the more stereotype of they're like yeah let's kill some bad guys woohoo you know like it's a sport like they're like they're joining yeah. a football team and he seems more reserved about it in that moment and i think the film was trying to capture that that just like he was not a hoorah let's kill some people according to the film's characterization i have no yeah, idea yeah. what the real guy was the film characterizes him as this is the right thing to do i'm a sheepdog i have to do it and i take no joy from the fame or pleasure of it or anything like that i take no joy from my legacy but i also don't let the difficulty get to me in a in a public way and chris is right that that is kind of a non-character which is why i think bradley cooper like does a very good job because it's a very difficult character to portray um but in that sense even that movie moment of the wedding i felt like that was one of the few things that did kind of have a point about his character like mm -hmm. contrasting him from the other people what could have been pretty interesting too is like if if the point you're making now was was more featured in like i mean obviously they made the story somewhat probably based on life. But imagine if when he came home, his wife was celebrating him as this hero and he would like break down and explain to her why like he's not this hero. He's doing this because he thinks like if there was some sort of nuance instead of him just like dancing with his wife at the wedding, like trying to be like, this does not phase me. I are robot. Like yeah. if, if he had maybe outside, like not in public standpoint, he had these moments of humanity where he could embrace his wife in the way that she wanted and could be like no look you don't understand this is like tearing me apart like if if she i don't know there i, I just think there's something more dynamic that could happen there yeah maybe the, there's a lot more dynamic that could have happened throughout the whole movie i don't know <laughs> zing i just <laughs> i will is anybody lifeless I, last attempt I, I promised I won't say anything else, but does anybody else have any final comments? <laughs> I no. I'm I'm ready for review. All right, let, let's get to the verdict then. Carson, start us off. If you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for until it pass with a caveat, uh, or must avoid, what would you give it? Um, despite Bradley Cooper's performance, I'd still give it a must-avoid. I think it's way too cliched and and it rings false too many times. Although, the other positive I will give it, it was better than Jersey Boys. <laughs> so. Very often compared to Jersey Boys. Well, I mean, Clint Eastwood directed both movies. So. Okay, gotcha. Come on, come on. <laughs> I, yeah. was, I was very confused for a second. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Stephen, what would yeah, you give I, I am weirdly the most positive. I'm actually teetering, teetering between a, uh, a wait for rental or a very weak recommend with a caveat. I think I'm going to stick to like a strong weight for rental where I actually feel like this within the genre, I think this did more than your average war movie. Uh, at, at least like it, it characterized the war very well. And even if as a character study, it wasn't very immersive, then I do. I found sitting through it to be only when fake babies were on screen did I have like a real <laughs> problem with the movie. And I might have a problem with it not not reaching the heights that it could have and not tackling the emotions that it could have, but taken for what it is, which is a a war movie that details a person's life in battle and the things that happened to him. I thought it was completely serviceable, wait for rental, like no no reason to rush out to see it, but I also wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss it just because it doesn't reach the heights that it could have. And Bradley Cooper is very good in it. Yeah, I I am I, 
I'm just going to give it a pass to the caveat, mostly because I'm trying to caveat all my own personal biases <laughs> in, in, in all my comments that I'm making. Um, I, I, if you don't support our troops like chris you should uh... <laughs> no, exactly i i am i mean i'm not exactly in that like i don't support our troops i i just mean that like i'm not the biggest pro pro america hoorah military guy on the planet um i'm not opposed to any of that stuff it's just it's it it's hard to get me really excited about um that sort of thing um for me uh People who become combatants, like forced by the government, you know, like say past wars, uh, there's something inherently more interesting there where people who are clearly unprepared for battle are mm. thrust into a battle because they have to. Um, that naturally is easy for me to jump into than people who are like, I'm going to run out and do this because I think that's my duty. I mean, that's that's awesome. I appreciate uh, all military sacrifice, but it's this story didn't do anything for me to get behind this character's motivations, it sort of just presented them in, in like, this is, from a young age, he was trained to be a sheepdog, and then he was a sheepdog. Mm -hmm. um, so, sorry if my opinion sounds like it's, like, stepping on the motivations of any people out there, because I don't mean it in that way. I just, the film didn't grip me in um, that sort of way. And uh, I'm... Say, if you haven't seen The Hurt Locker yet, go out and see it because I love that I, film. I mean, I think just just like kind of a final point of comparison is one thing when I was, uh, when we were reviewing Fury that I was thinking about is that like the best war movies are either like war is absurd or war is hell. And yeah. Fury kind of changed to more from war is hell to hell yeah. And, th and that was kind of what, <laughs> yeah. what threw it off. And yeah. this, I never felt like this was a hell yeah movie or a war is hell movie. It was just kind of war is period <laughs> like yeah. war is a thing that happens to you that affects you yeah. and we're not going to be daring enough to say whether it's positive or negative and we're not going to tarnish the legacy we're just kind of gonna very gently push on it and that i think that gentle touch is what made it not as uh not as offensive to me as some of the other things that veer into the hell yeah even if it also made it not as daring to possibly be like rated higher than a rental. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still don't think this movie is deserving of the Oscar nominations it got. Cause I mean, is I just don't think it's that level. I, I feel like it's only there cause Clint Eastwood in a, in some sense, you know, yeah. I'm kind of surprised actually that the Eastwood effect can overcome the general, hollywood pacifism effect like it I, i'm actually fairly surprised that this movie got nominated for stuff it, it has to be just the eastwood stamp on it because normally i would not think a film like this that really is like a pretty unblinking look at war that rarely has harsh things to say about it i would not think that's the kind of thing that you know the well i mean the hurt locker won best picture yeah but whatever the hurt year it came did out did not but... The Hurt Locker did not present war as this wonderfully heroic thing. Like you, no, no, no. You are never rooting but, for him, yeah, as a hero. You are rooting. You are interested in this conflicted character, and war is just the backdrop to it. Yeah, but yeah. Then, yeah. then again, Saving Private Ryan won, so like obviously there is definitely a sentimental and, patriotism. And you know what's What's interesting is, and I was going to bring this up earlier, is that Steven Spielberg was initially going to direct uh, American Sniper, and I. Just, uh, it would have been interesting to see like what he would have done with it, but mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. I'd, I'd be interested to see that too. I want the yeah. Catherine Bigelow version. That would be <laughs> that would be <laughs> that'd be nice. The the best version, obviously. <laughs> that one's already made. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> she already made two. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a sense, Zero Dark Thirty is like, you know another extension of the genre that's just like okay well i think catherine bigelow's got it pretty much covered so i would agree <laughs> now yeah. now here's here's my final question in in recap so a few years ago carson you named zero dark 30 your number one movie of the year oh our, yeah Easily. do you think it stands up do you would you still stand by that now oh for sure yeah because it has not lasted with me the way that the initial impact did i mean i thought that movie you know, that movie definitely I thought was impactful and had the the weight that I feel like these films are lacking. Like, um, I don't know. I haven't 
I haven't rewatched it, um, but I know that I've I've rewatched the Hurt Locker, and that movie still holds very true. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that she's you know an excellent filmmaker, and that I I I, I believe that Zero Dark Thirty would still hold up, <laughs> but and, and I, I should rewatch it. Zero Dark Thirty is also about you know the it's one person. Oh, it's, it's a group of people, but it's following like the viewpoint from one person as they try to spend much of their life changing as a person as they try to hunt for one man. Like there, yeah, there's, yeah. there is something inherently more interesting about like e- even the the made up rival sniper in in American Sniper. The, the story isn't a hundred percent about his drive to take out this one person. It is we're doing this thing, and while we're doing this thing, there happens to be a rival out there like i mean there's there's like a whole part of a uh, a mini arc in the the new battlestar galactica where there is this there's one raider called scar because he has a big scar on his face that's like impossible to kill and they spend like the whole movie like every time he shows up they're like oh my god that was scar um so it's like that is that's just like a tacked on extra like normal war trope as opposed to being the focus of this story mm. yeah Anyways, that is our review for this week. So, uh, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, uh, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven? Uh, you can find me on twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. And if you don't already hate me because I'm anti-America, anti-military, or whatever you now think of me, um, you can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. Uh, if you still like the podcast, uh, you can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, you can follow us to figure out when the episodes go live at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com. Uh, you can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to American Sniper. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, do we know what is coming out next week? Uh, next week is uh, some real winners. Uh, <laughs> Mordecai, The Boy Next oh, Door, yeah. and Strange Magic. All right. Which is that George Lucas animated movie that they decided to just drop out of nowhere? Good Sounds great. Well, <laughs> I guess, I guess we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to review next time, week. Time for a Paddington, I think. <laughs> uh, well, hey, man, Paddington is legit. What, what I was, I, I was down for Paddington. Whatever we decide to review, um, there will be a review next week. So look forward to that. Um, thank you guys for joining <laughs> me this week. Yep, thanks for having us. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.